Welcome to the Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. I'm Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the D.C. area, and with me as always are my two co-hosts. I'm Hai Chen Bui, a writer for Slash Film and a pop culture journalist in D.C. I am Anya Crittenton, a writer at Gay Star News. Alright friends, it's that time of year again. We are in the thick of award season, and we have only a couple weeks left until the big award show of the year, the right, Oscars. It's the, it's the big game of Hollywood. It's the exactly. Super Bowl of Hollywood, <laughs> if you may say. <laughs> so the Oscars are coming up in just a couple weeks, so the first weekend of March. Which is pretty uh, late, 4th. actually. Because usually is it's like the last normal. weekend of February, but they pushed yeah. it back, I think. Well, mm-hmm. February is a weird month because there's only 28 days. So, like, it's March 4th. So, it would be like February 32nd if February had 33 days. <laughs> so. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, um, Oscar and nominations were announced a few weeks ago. We've had time to kind of ruminate on them, figure out our predictions, what we want to win, our snubs. And so, this episode, we are talking all about those nominations and what we're expecting on March 4th. Um, HT, do you want to run down the list of Best Picture nominations? Yeah, let's go down the full list of Best Picture nominations. So the Oscars have, since the since 2009, have expanded their possible list of nominations to 10, but this year they only have nine. So which for they've best... done in the past quite a bit, and I'm mm-hmm. pretty which annoyed did, by them. Uh, that always makes me angry, because I'm always like, that 10th spot could be filled out with an animated film. Yeah, it's always, that's what my, always, that's it's always, always my really frustrating for me, because if they have the possibility of doing 10, why not just keep it at 10 and just have this arbitrary number change every year? It's very confusing. Yeah. Like, I still don't understand how Inside Out didn't get a Best Picture nod. Like that's because, insane to me. It's because the Academy is biased against animation, but we'll get into it's that true. later. Anyways, the list Sorry, of Best Picture nominees. <laughs> Call Me By Your Name, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird, Phantom Thread, The Post, The Shape of Water, and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. I'm also going to run down the other big five categories as well, Go including actor, actress, Best Supporting Actor, Best Supporting Actress, and Director. All right. Best Actor. Timothy Chamolet for Call Me By Your Name. Daniel Day-Lewis for Phantom Thread. Daniel Kaluuya for Get Out. Gary Oldman for Darkest Hour. And Denzel Washington for Roman J. Israel Esquire. Just because he's Denzel. (laughs) Best Actress. Sally Hawkins, The Shape of Water. Frances McDormand, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Margot Robbie, I, Tanya, Saoirse Ronan, Lady Bird. And Meryl Streep, The Post. Best Supporting Actor. Willem Dafoe, The Florida Project, Woody Harrelson, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, Richard Jenkins, The Shape of Water, Christopher Plummer, All the Money in the World, and Sam Rockwell, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Best Supporting Actress, Mary J. Blige, Mudbound, Alice and Jenny, I, Tanya, Leslie Manville, Phantom Thread, Laurie Metcalf, Lady Bird, and Octavia Spencer, The Shape of Water. And last and one, the Oscar goes to... for Director, Dunkirk, <laughs> Christopher Nolan. Get Out, Jordan Peele, Lady Bird, Greta Gerwig, Phantom Thread, Paul Thomas Anderson, and The Shape of Water, Guillermo del Toro. So those are all the big five ones. Uh, And we're going to talk about our basic reaction to this. I know we're coming up into this a little late because Oscar nominations were announced like a couple, like about a month ago, I think. But it's okay. We had to review Paddington too. We did. And it was very important. It's to review becoming Paddington closer too. to the Oscar ceremony itself. So we want to do a little bit of a refreshing of our memory and kind of t- bringing back this conversation. Yeah. So Anya, 
What were your initial reactions to these nominations? I think I was, first off, I was mostly surprised that, like, there were a lot fewer snubs than I expected. Like, there are a couple snubs that I'm, like, hung up on that we'll get to later. But for the most part, I was pretty pleasantly surprised with how the nominations went. And I was mostly happy with almost all of the categories um, and honoring people. Um, I do have a couple, like, ones I'm really gunning for. Um, Mostly, like, my top three films of the year of 2017 all got nominations shape of water call me by your name and get out and so i'm just rooting for all of them to win something um i think my dream is call me by your name to win picture gdt to win director which i think he's a shoe in which i'm so happy for because i just can't wait to see like get with the toro like with an oscar in his hand and if so- gdt wins this year that'll be the third year in a row that a mexican director has won best director and it's like the holy trio of mexican directors they're all like friends and it's adorable it is so cute um and then i would love jordan peele i think i mean calling by your name also has a great script but i would also love jordan peele to win or, or no that they are different categories calling by your name to win adapted and jordan peele to win best original screenplay for get out so yeah. like yeah, i so have like good. those are like my like those are like my big three that I'm just like, I'm just gunning for them. Um, I also really love Phantom Thread. That was one of my other favorites. So I'm like hoping that wins at least costume, I think is my big one yeah. for obvious reasons. Um, and then I am rooting against three billboards for best picture. <laughs> so um, I want to say I was really pleasantly surprised that Phantom Thread kind of came in there with a few surprise same. nominations, especially for uh, Lori, uh, sorry, Leslie Manville for Phantom Thread, who played Cyril, um, Daniel Day-Lewis's sister in the... Yeah. yeah in I wish movie. Vicky Creeps had gotten she a nomination because I thought she was phenomenal. Like but, she, I feel like that was her film more than anyone else's, oh, honestly. Definitely. And, but Leslie Manville was so good, and I was so excited for uh, her nomination. I... We expected one for Daniel Day-Lewis, but then there came a nomination for Best Picture and Paul Thomas Anderson for Best Director. And I can't say enough how much I really liked Phantom Thread, how it kind of snuck in there and surprised me. And I had finalized my top uh, 15 of 20, uh, my top 10 of 2017 list. But if I had watched Phantom Thread before then, it would definitely have made my my number 10 spot because I liked it that much. It's a movie that was just made for me. A gothic perverse erotically charged movie <laughs> yeah people have been bringing a lot of 50 shades and like the comparisons are pretty funny because they are apt in some cases it's but true. like phantom thread is so like it also snuck into my top 10 as soon as i saw it i was like whoa okay done top 10 wow exactly. like i was just so like enthralled with phantom thread me too i did not expect that yeah. um so i want to talk a little bit about how i was really pleasantly surprised by the rest of these nominations too and it was something that uh kind of made me like the Oscars, made me respect the Oscars a little bit more because I've gotten used to being severely disappointed by a lot of the snubs for the Oscars. But for the most part, I really like these nominations for Best Picture and Best Director. Those are the ones where I was kind of expecting to be the most disappointed. But Best Director had both Jordan Peele and Greta Gerwig, uh, very deserved for Christopher Nolan, Del Toro, and Paul Thomas Anderson. Honestly, I like all these choices. I could have squeezed a little bit more in there, but because we only have five slots... That's this is like the best really that we can offer, and I'm actually quite happy with all of the best director nominees. I have a couple snubs um, pertaining to the Florida Project that I'll talk about later. I but, have some snubs in directing too, not yeah. the Florida Project, but yes, yeah, I know what you're talking about with the 
Mudbound. But uh, yeah. I really like all the nominations. Um, there's one snub for supporting actor that we'll talk about later, of course. Uh-huh. But yeah, it's honestly like it's the kind of the best we could get that from the Except Oscars. From yeah, this body from and the Academy. Exactly, and it's the like, most diverse um, body of nominees that we could have gotten from the Oscars in the past couple of years too, which is really exciting because there are more directors of color and, and female directors who are really rising in uh, prestige and in acclaim. And it's exciting that the Oscars are fi- finally uh, acknowledging that. And I think it's largely in part due to their reshuffling of the membership to try to get more diversity in there. So they're getting a lot more different perspectives. And um, I think other than the odd nomination for Darkest Sour and Best Picture, which is kind of a remnant of, I think, the Oscar prestige, Oscar bait Agreed. movie sort of tradition, I really like all these nominations. Yeah, same. Willoughby, what are your overall thoughts on the nominations? Well, I don't want to repeat the same things you guys have been saying, because <laughs> you guys have been, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much on par with all of your guys' like, reactions. I was pleasantly surprised about all the directors and the best picture nominees like like you said darkest hour is kind of the only like really traditional best picture um nominee like even even dunkirk is like if you I watch mean, the arguably film, the post is also pretty traditional That's yeah but yeah, it's like the, but it was it was a good movie and it's spielberg the post, so well, the thing I'm, is the post is the, the post is relevant to our time even though it's a period piece i also think but that's Dun- the most excitedly directed spielberg that we've seen in a long time. A long time. Yeah. I'd agree too. Bridge of Spies was a solid movie, but it wasn't exciting mm-hmm. like the post yeah. is. It was um, yeah, it was a good film, but it wasn't like the post had my like heart pounding, even yeah. though I knew what was gonna happen. Yeah. And D- Dunkirk is a World War Two film which Oscars just love, just like Darker Sour is, but it's told completely differently than I've ever seen a World War II film because it's pretty much like in the trenches with the dudes in France on Dunkirk Beach. Yeah, and it's Darkest completely Hour, unconventional. And Dunkirk Darkest Hour is the same story from the most conventional version of it. Um, so it's just kind of funny that you have Darkest Hour and Dunkirk coming in at the same time because Dunkirk is, I mean, I haven't seen Darkest Hour, but from what I've heard, Dunkirk is just much better. Um, Darkest Hour, okay, I've seen it, and it's actually not a bad movie. I ha- I wouldn't be, I wasn't as mad about its nomination as I was for like when the imitation game and uh, got nominated because I thought that was a completely mediocre middling movie and I did not right. understand its best picture nomination. Darkest okay. Hour is fine, but it's definitely sticks out because it's it's on the same level as the rest of its nominees. True. I'm like I haven't seen Darkest Hour yet, but I'm just like more part. I haven't seen either of them yet, but like my like bias goes to Darkest Hour just because it's directed by Joe Wright, who I like so much more than Christopher Nolan, mm-hmm. and it has women in the film. What a concept. But Dunkirk, like Lily James and Kristen Scott Thomas. Dunkirk is such an experience, great. Anya. It's such a different experience. It's something that really, I think, tests the limits of cinema in a way that we haven't really done before. Oh, and the thing, is, Sour- the thing is about the thing is about Dunkirk is that the only truly defined character is Kenneth Branagh. Everyone else is just kind Who of like is great. He's yes. great, but everyone else is like, and I believe this is on purpose. A British white boy with brunette hair who you cannot distinguish one from the other (laughs) like you can't tell like even though if you know who harry styles is you'll find who harry styles is but other than that the group of boys he's like running around the beaches with is that and tom hardy tom hardy most he stands out because he's in a plane by himself you get to know him i wonder if christopher nolan knew that like people of color fought in world war ii 
Probably not. But I will say, I also say in defense of Darkest Hour, it was very lyrically directed in the in the vein of Joe Wright. It's a beautiful director. But it's just, it's like, I, I, want, I don't want to like insult Joe Wright, but for some reason, a lot of his films don't have a lot of staying power with me. And it's... It, oh, I just gave me a face. I know, I know, I know. His like Pride holy trifecta of Pride and Prejudice, Atonement, and Anna Karenina. Huh. huh. I really like... Okay, Pride and Prejudice is one of my favorite movies. Uh, I really admire Atonement. For some reason, Darkest Hour just doesn't have a lot of staying power. I remember liking it a lot after I finished watching it, but then afterwards I was just like, I can't remember much of what happened in that movie. There's one scene that really sticks out because it's very sort of balletic in the way that Joe Rice movies can be quite almost choreographed and have this interesting musicality to them, but then the rest of the movie kind of fades and becomes a little bit obscure because most of it does take place in like dark war rooms and stuff like that. I can see that. I'm not like, I haven't seen it yet and I feel like it's going to be fairly average I'm just uh, fond. I think you will stand for it, Anya, because I feel like watching oh, no. it out, I think I could think about you and being like, I think Anya will like this movie. All right, I need, I need to, I'll, I'll watch both of them. I need to. Yeah. I'll get around to it. This is your um, call to watch the movies for best, for Oscars, by the way. You only have yeah. two weeks left. I would say, Willoughby, you were kind of in, in agreement with all of us on most things. Do you have any ones that you're particularly pulling for? Yeah, the way I want to talk about have that. Some I, want to, I want to talk about that because I'm excited because you guys haven't talked about Lady Bird yet. And I want to talk about Lady Bird because I love Lady Bird. Um, I also want to talk about Get Out. Those are the two I'm really pulling for the most, I think, because I just love both Greta Gerwig and Jordan Peele as people. And so I'm very excited that they both have great movies and they're, you know, incredibly well written and directed and both uh daniel kaluuya and saoirse ronan are great and so i'm just kind of like those are my like my my two favorites that i'm really pulling for i love shape of water as well um i do want to see guillermo del toro on stage with an oscar in his hand just kind of being like giddy as a schoolboy. Um, but i wouldn't be disappointed if jordan peele won or if greta gerwig won like i i think we were talking about this like i'm cool with everybody on the best director list if they won uh even like and like I've seen all the movies that are on the list for Best Director. I'm okay with any of them winning. Um, I think if uh, Jordan Pill won, that'd be really that would be really exciting because that that's his first, it's his debut directorial debut, and he written and directed it. Um, and he's a person of color, and I think that would just be like a big like awesome progressive move on the Oscars part. Um, that's why I want him to win screenplay so gdt can win director and jordan peele can win screenplay and they each get like a big oscar <laughs> true true i'm um, i'm but, caring. caring. <laughs> but i also i like i want saoirse ronan to win because i feel like she just gives like the best she performance gives of, such a phenomenal the, performance i feel like she should have won for brooklyn oh yeah she's amazing yeah. in brooklyn she's great like, like talking of a tone brooklyn is my favorite performance by her i think I, I think Brooklyn is a great movie, and it's I, I have to rewatch it to see. But I like because Lady Bird has just stuck with me in terms of just like a great coming of age film about. But that that doesn't it it's so. People say that it's like pretty like similar to other coming of age films, but I think we just have it's done so effortlessly that you don't realize how well done it is until you kind of really look at it. Yeah. Um, Brooklyn and, stayed with me so much more than Lady Bird did. I think, that, like, I still think about Brooklyn to this day. That's totally And I fine. haven't really thought about Lady Bird much. That, that's fine. Um, no, no, I'm just saying, like, yeah, I just, like, like I'm have, still, like, that's, Brooklyn. That's, 
that's the thing about art is that we're trying to quantify this all, but it's all you can subjective. Exactly. It's, it's that's all, what like, that's the the fallacy of the of the Oscars really is that you know you're trying to quantify it, but it doesn't quite match with the actual dialogue that these films are give are yeah. inciting. Like I think Lady Bird is just in, like we've seen like the Garden State, the other type of like coming of age films from dudes all the time, but we haven't really seen a lot of mainstream female-centered coming-of-age films in this in this like Oscars territory, you know? Um, uh, yeah. What I really love about Lady Bird, too, is that even though it's a coming-of-age film about a, a girl, the love story doesn't center too much on it. You know, oh, no. she has it's... multiple little crushes and love interests, and they play formative parts of her life, but they're never ever as central as her own story is, and that's something that's exactly. so different. It's it's not a rom it's not a romantic comedy in that sense. It's just her going through her senior year of high school and just like living her day to day, and it's a slice of life. And I think it's it's and it's so well written and so well done and so well performed that I think that a lot of the Academy has not been pushing it for best picture. But I think that it's just it's so well. It's like it's like what we were saying about Spielberg and the Br- and Bridge of Spies a couple years ago. It's so effortlessly well done that you're like oh, it's just fine. But really, it's like a masterclass in, in cinema. And so I, I think Lady Bird does that for the coming-of-age genre. Um, yeah. And I think it does that so well, and it's so well edited, you don't realize there's a passage of time until all of a sudden it's like Christmas and Thanksgiving, and you're like, oh, they're like moving forward through her life. You're seeing this character progress. And by the time she gets to college, she's a different person, um, but she's still the same person. And that's what, and it's so well done. And so I think I'm, I'm pretty much standing for Lady Bird here. Um yeah, I mean, like, but, yeah. the one that I would stand for is the one that's not at all in frontrunner talks, which makes me a little sad, so... Which one's that? Um, it's Call Me By Your Name. Oh, yeah. And yes. so, it only has four nominations. It only has four nominations. I remember when it first... for Best Picture. Yeah, when it first came out at the, uh, at last year's Sundance Film Festival, I think, it was deemed like an Oscar frontrunner, but has sort of slowly disappeared from that conversation, which makes me really sad because it was such a lovely, affecting movie for me. And it has really stuck with me and just like filled me with this sort of dense emotion that I can't quite explain. And it's, if, if this was any other year where like the movies were not as strong, Call Me By Your Name would be my top pick. But for now... For the frontrunner talks, like I'm gunning for The Shape of Water because that's the one that has gained so much, so many, so much acclaim, and it's a movie that I really love and really appealed to my dark fantasy, dark fairy tale sensibilities. And Guillermo del Toro is a director I love, but for some reason, even though Shape of Water has all the sort of check marks of a movie that's like made for HT, Call Me by Your Name really affected me even more than Shape of Water. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I'm also like standing for that one too it's a it's pretty popular in my household my roommate and i are both very uh, into calling by your name her especially we are literally so into it that we were listening to the soundtrack yesterday and we got into a deep wikipedia hole about some of the songs and how one of the songs is an anti-war song and it led us to oh. this history of poland and polish military coups and like we got like deep into weird European history because of, like, a song on the Call Me By Your Name soundtrack. <laughs> it was very... I don't know how we got there, but we did. And you know what? And Tim- Timothy Chamomile gives a great performance. <laughs> <laughs> he would be... I mean, I actually, like, 
in my dream, like he would win Best Actor. He's this actually year. he's the one I stand for. I think he could really yeah. pull off a dark horse win underneath Gary Oldman because I think while Gary Oldman was good in the role and he gives a very boisterous, flamboyant performance that the Oscars love, <laughs> Timothy Chalamet gives I think the most powerful and like I think like just like standout performance so, of like this yeah. decade. I think yeah. it's so it's so riveting and it's so uh, monumental that it's not it's just like people say like oh it's really promising for the start of his career i think this is going to be a career best performance for him and yeah, i yeah. really i hope he's my he's he when i stand to 21 for. <laughs> bummer for him he and he and sally hawkins are like my two dark horses mm-hmm. that i like would love to see win yeah um i have a couple front matters i just want to mention really quick i am so annoyed that Sam Rockwell is going to win his Oscar for this movie for three billboards because Sam Rockwell is one of my all-time favorite actors. I have been saying for years that he deserves an Oscar. I wanted him to get an Oscar for Moon. I think he's one of the best actors of our time. And I'm just so annoyed that it happens to be for this film that he's going to get his Oscar because I don't like this film. And his character especially soured it for me. And, like, he's great. Uh, so I'm like, I'm happy, but I'm annoyed. What's weird is that a year ago, when they announced three billboards outside Ending, Missouri, I remember, Anya, you were, like, so excited for this movie for yeah. months. And I was, because I love In Bruges. I like Seven Psychopaths, like, Martin yeah. McDonough's great, and then this movie just... And I feel like, I feel like they're, like, the quote-unquote backlash against the film didn't really start until regular people started seeing mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Like, the critics didn't talk about the problems with, the, with race, I feel like. Well, it's because of the... the it debuted at so many film festivals and there's a lot of interesting analysis how these film festivals are sort of overwhelmingly white and they don't have a lot of perspective of people of color and once people of color actually started seeing it then they said hey there's a problem in this movie and it has to do with race and redemption and i don't think that there's you can call it backlash per se because it's a problem that existed ever since this movie like true incepted but true. it's people just didn't begin noticing it until people of color started watching it and th- that's why i put quote backlash in quotes because mm-hmm. i feel like it's not really a backlash per se but it's definitely like like i just remember everybody being really excited for it and, and then and then like non-critic people started seeing it and there were everyone was like tweeting about how bad the movie was and i was like wait a minute what the hell yeah <laughs> all right well I, what i will say is that there are some really interesting themes in there, but it was just all clunkily thrown together because Martin McDonagh, as an Irish director, doesn't quite have a grasp on the racial uh, politics, politics of. of Midwest America. While And he tried to sort of transport his own understanding of class politics and class um, tensions from, you know, the UK to Midwest America and doesn't quite meshed well together Work. as it yeah. should. Mm-hmm. I think that if he maybe took the story and transported it back to Ireland, it would work phenomenally well. Oh, yeah. I read Completely a Vox agree. article that talked about how if this was three billboards outside of, like, Dublin, this mm-hmm. would have been a very different movie. Yeah, I mean, and there's a reason, like, in Bruges, obviously, it doesn't take place in Ireland, it takes place in Bruges. Mm-hmm. But, like, it works so much better with its themes and its dark humor just because it is set in europe and i just feel like it's again it's less about race or anything so it's like doesn't have that element but like clearly he tried to explore uh, something he just doesn't understand yeah, yeah it's kind of like what 
how J.K. Rowling tried to explore, tried to expand her Harry Potter world uh, into America and ran into a lot of road bumps because she didn't quite understand like Native American history. and didn't... She didn't pick up a history book. Yeah, <sighs> and it's something that is not completely their fault. It's just a lack of education, a lack of knowledge about it, but it's something that people, uh, when entering a different culture from the outside, really need to try to understand from the inside. Right, and maybe I, yeah. do some research yeah. first before you talk about, like, even when Washington, D.C. was founded as a capital. Ooh. Yeah, I think Martin McDonough is a really talented screenwriter, and I think that he has such a great way with, like, gallows humor and try and bringing, like, this sort of nuance to really difficult subjects by making it sort of overblown. But this was just a subject that was too... <sighs> It's just too complicated and complex for him to deal with. And... It kind of reminds me of Kingsman, The Golden Circle. Oh, yeah. it, like, you know, because like, it's an, a British director coming to and to talk about a very American problem and doesn't do it well yeah. and kind of makes light of it almost. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Actually, that really works as a, a good analogy for it. But yeah. yeah, it's just, uh, it's unfortunate because like Three Billboards is the front runner and it has glimmers of a good movie in it it just has it's just it's just a, not a great flag bearer for all the problems and issues that is so central to this story there are better movies to win best picture this year by far um one more name i just wanted to mention is roger deacons oh they're gonna say sterling i was like you haven't seen mad men <laughs> <laughs> It is finally his year after like 13 yeah. nominations. Now, again, to be fair, we all know I didn't really like Blade Runner 2049, I but don't. the cinematography <laughs> is gorgeous. I mean, honestly, he should already have like five Oscars, mm-hmm. but he has none because the Academy is, I don't know, the Academy and they're wrong. But like, it's finally his year to win. And I'm so excited. And I'm also very excited that Rachel Morrison got nominated because she's the first woman of color to be direct- or nominated in cinematography. And I, is she the first woman? She's the first overall. woman. Overall? Yeah. yeah. First woman in history. And she's a woman of color. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's a queer woman. So it's like, so I'm so excited Chris. for her. But I am gunning for Audrey Deacon just because, like, he's one of the best of all time. And this is a long time coming Oscar for him. And, and Rachel, I'm so pumped. Rachel Morrison also... Uh, was DP for Black Panther. Black Panther. So I'm like, ooh, can she win next year? Black Panther was gorgeous, too. Deacons win this year, and she wins next year for Black Panther, right? Like a perfect... Sort of circle. She did Creed and Fruitvale Station, so you Uh, worked with Ryan Coogler all three times. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I just, I'm, I'm excited for Roger Deacons. It's finally his year, and I'm like, I'm pumped, guys. I'm pumped. Yay! Yay. Um, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I'm excited for Roger Deakins, long time ago. I think Skyfall, he should have still won for Skyfall. Oh, Skyfall has had such a long reach of influence. It's so fascinating to me because Skyfall itself was a little bit reminiscent of The Dark Knight. And then the sky, but then people have been starting to ape Skyfall in this way that has it's had such a big influence as more than just a James Bond movie, but as a great movie in fact, itself. Christopher Nolan was coming at Skyfall he like was inspired by skyfall i think in dunkirk a little bit um i think he was talking about how he he was like talk i think he or at least he was talking about how he loved skyfall so much which is funny because skyfall because he wanted to do inception um and dark knight rises as like james bond movies and whatnot and so 
then a James Bond movie comes out, which harps off of him, and then he harps off of a James Bond movie after that, which harps off of him. It's a great like back and forth. I love it. Um, but yeah, I think Skyfall has some of the had some. It's definitely the most well shot James Bond movie of all time. Yeah. Um, all right. And I think it definitely was up there. Yeah. That tangent aside, why don't we go first with um who with the categories of who we think will win and who we want to win because we kind of touched on that but okay so for best picture Anya who do you think will win and who do you want to win I'm so this one for me is really muddied because I think three billboards is actually starting to fall behind Mm -hmm. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say shape of water will win and I'm excited about that but call me by your name should win all right. All right. Willoughby, what's your guesses? All right. So I was talking a lot about Lady Bird earlier, but I also really want Get Out to win. So my vote is split for wanting to win between Lady Bird and Get Out. Um, and I think Shape of Water will win. Honestly, I think it will win. So there was a really interesting report that I heard recently that in the voting circles for the Oscars, it's become a race between Dunkirk and Get Out. Which is which are two frontrunners I didn't quite expect. Yeah, but I'm also, uh, between I'd those be two, Get Out better win. <laughs> I think yeah, the two. I mean, of those you haven't seen Dunkirk yet. Dunkirk is a great Listen, movie. Listen, I'm not going to root Anya, for a Chris Nolan anything. film over a Jordan Peele film. Yes, but Anya, you can't say anything because you haven't seen Dunkirk. Yes, but I, I definitely think I definitely think Get Out would win before over Dunkirk, and it's better. It would be a really interesting dark horse win for Get Out. I would, be, would be fascinated by that because Same. I mean the movie came out in. March, February, February. March, yeah, in like early March, basically a year ago, and yet has I mean it's created a, it's completely like it was the movie of the year. It I think. became a phenomenon, yeah. Yeah. All right, so I'm gonna go with the boring prediction. I think The Shape of Water will win because wait, you want that t- to it? I think it will win. will. That's my prediction. Okay. I think it will win, but my my personal win would be Call Me by Your Name. Okay. Yeah, girl. I mean, although I don't think I, we should say none of us would be unhappy if Shape of Water wins because yeah. we all really liked it too. And GDT. Yeah, I feel like what hero. I've been saying so far has made me think that made it sound like I don't like Shape of Water. I really love Shape of Water. It was my number one film of last year. I'm like, yes, but Call Me by Your Name. Yeah. Call Me by Your Name just affected me. But Shape of Water is so beautiful and so just like so so lovely and transient. I don't know or. Not transient. Transcendent. That's the word I'm looking for. Transcendent. transcendent. What's, the, what's the next oh, category? Best actor. All right. Who? Anya. Yeah. Best actor. All right. Will win. Gary Oldman should win. Timothy Chalamet or Timothy. Sorry, Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, I think actually in the recent Vanity Fair article he did, he said I I go by Timothy because I don't want to see. No, he does. It's, it's, it's pronounced Timothy. Like yeah. it's supposed to be pronounced Timothy, but like most people just call him Timothy or Timmy. He also, yeah. like, he was on Happy Sad Confused and said, like, no, you can call me Timothy. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm going to call him Timothy. I'm going to call him Jimothy Camelmeal. <laughs> All right, Willoughby, who are your choices? Okay, for best actor, I think Timothy Chalamet, Chalamet will win, but I want Daniel Kaluuya to win. All right. I'm going to make a prediction, too. I think Timothy Chalamet will come in with the upset and win, and that's the one who I want to win, too. I'm hopeful. Oh, I, oh my god, I die. All right, next one. Best actress, Anya. All right, will win Frances McDormand, should win Sally Hawkins. All right, will it be? 
Okay, my will win will be Frances McDormand, even though I haven't seen Three Billboards, but everyone, I mean, she won, she's been winning all the the, the actress nominate, uh, actress wins. I want Saoirse Ronan to win. I'm going to go same choices as Anya. Will win Frances McDormand and should win Sally Hawkins. I will say Frances McDormand's win would be the only win I wouldn't be mad about for three billboards because she was phenomenal is that she she is the best part of the movie Mm -hmm. and it was a role that was written for her and she just has so much rage and seething see and she sees just like it bites through the camera and it's It's amazing that like her storyline got like pushed aside for like a racist redemption story yeah but you know all right supporting actor anya all right will win sam rockwell should win michael stuhlbarg He's not nominated, oh, but he should win. He's, oh. he's, I'm putting, he's not nominated, but they should all just write his name in that he gets, he wins anyway. I would, That's my I would or what if that Kanye campaign. comes up and goes like, uh, Sam Rockwell, you know, hold on a second. It's not funny. It should be Army Hammer. Army Hammer should come up and be like, <laughs> oh, no, Stilberg was, was years above Army Hammer. Role. Had the best supporting actor role in three movies nominated for best picture army hammer would be the most down to do it i think he would he would take a shot and he would in go his track suit. he's wearing a tracksuit to the oscars so like, <laughs> is he really i love no, army hammer no. <laughs> so that's my so that's he's my so will good. win sam should win michael Stuhlbarg. all right okay will be even though he's not nominated okay. so um i think uh sam rockwell will win but i want willem dafoe to win for florida project and mine will be the same as Willoughby. Sam Rockwell will probably win. But Willem Dafoe was so phenomenal in the Florida He's Project. so good. And the Florida Project should get more nominations. I'm going to be sad about that later. All right. Uh, supporting actress, Anya. Oh, crap. Who's up for supporting? Will win Allison Janney. Should win. Who else is up for supporting actress? You've got uh, Laurie Metcalf, Mary Octavia Spencer, Leslie Manville, and Mary J. Blige. Oh, okay. Ooh. Yeah, will win Allison Janney, should win, toss up between Mary J. Blige and Leslie Manville. Oh, right. interesting. Interesting choices. All right, Willoughby. Um, I'm also thinking that Allison Janney will win, um, even though I haven't seen I, Tanya, But same thing with Frances McDormand. She's been winning all the awards. So I think and she's... she is great, and she is Allison Janney. So, like... Uh, no, yeah, 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 sure. Um, but I want Lowry Metcalf to win for Lady Bird, because I think she was just an excellent performance of a mother who is so complicated. I am also the same as Willoughby. I think uh, Allison Janney will win, but Laurie Metcalf is so good in Lady Bird. It really is Saoirse Ronan and Laurie Metcalf's movie, and Laurie Metcalf gives a really subtle, really just powerful performance that comes through and just it's so touching. And Allison Janney is good, but she has a more like Oscar baby performance that it's really... It's it's too much. Big. It's a big performance. All right. Okay. Next one. Uh, director. Last one. Ooh. All Anya. right. Will win and should win. Guillermo del Toro. All right. Will it be? Okay. Um, will win is Willie the Bull himself, Guillermo del Toro, um, and should win Jordan Peele. I'm same as Anya. I think GDT. It's in, he, it's in his bag, and it should be in his bag. Shape of Water, so beautifully directed. And on a, not a shoestring budget, but a smaller budget. A oh, more yeah. modest budget. And it looks like a beautiful, big budget movie. 
And I also, also want to say, like, awarding like a good person. I'm just like, yes. so he deserving. So pure, he deserves it. And I want to say, I haven't really been talking how much I love Shape of Water this episode because I've been going in for other ones because I feel like we need to talk about more than just two or three nominations. But I do think Shape of Water is an excellent film, and I do want it to win a lot of nominations, if not the big ones. Yeah. So, but I, I'm I'm kind of rooting for the smaller dogs a little bit more. Yeah, that, I I get you, Willoughby. All right. Yeah. Let's get into the meat of this. Our snubs. Oh, yeah. Sure. So, did you guys know that I'm upset about Michael Stuhlbarg snub? What? Michael did J. You Stuhlbarg Esquire? You're not, you're, you don't want him I to win? I have no idea. What? That's crazy. I just, I can't believe that one of our best actors, who's in The Post, he, was, he went to Juilliard, and Call Me By Your Name, didn't get a nomination. Ooh. How? How? He's, he's phenomenal. I don't... That speech at the end of Call Me By Your Name, I just... Guys. He guys. was the reason that Call Me By Your Name works so well. It's a movie that keep you, keeps you at an arm's distance, and you're not really sure how to feel about it, except, wow, this is pretty, until Michael Stilberg's monologue comes in and emotionally wrecks and devastates you, but also reminds you to enjoy and remember this ecstasy of life. And that's what Call Me By Your Name is about, and he is the emotional crux of it. And it's amazing that this movie is so great and it just has so few nominations and its most pivotal one is not there. Michael Stolberg. He made me... Crazy. He made me re rethink my life. <laughs> he made me, like, just contemplate the joy of life. And that's something that should be awarded by the Oscars. It is not. It's not. Old Stooley, you know, he gets you. Uh, what was the tweet that uh, Anya was talking about? Michael Stilborg is all our dads. Yeah, we are all his children. We are all his children. And He's rocking that true. Robin Williams in Goodwill Hunting beard. Oh my god. Okay, wait, this is crazy. When I first saw Calling By Your Name in theaters with my roommate Dana, at the same exact time in the movie, we turned to each other in the theater and we were like, if this was made 20 years ago, Robin Williams would be playing this role. He oh, would. no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Let's talk like, about that. This movie... If it was Robin Williams as the good dad, that'd be amazing. And so I mean, it's also amazing. Yeah, he's like good. He's he's basically Robin Williams in Goodwill Hunting. It's incredible. It's so like also like he they like with the beard they have like very similar facial structure. They, they do. do. That's interesting. I didn't yeah, notice no, that. They're very similar. What if Michael Stuhlbarg plays Robin Williams in a biopic? Oh my god! Wait, that'd be perfect. He's getting kind of old though. So like, I feel like he's getting well, past. They have the tech, the technology, technology, technology. Yeah, I guess that's true. Hate him. All right. No, I hate that. <laughs> no, it's terrible. Um, um, so, so, okay, so we talked HT, about story. I know you have some snub thoughts. <sighs> Guys, the best movie of the year has only gotten one, one big nomination, and that's Willem Dafoe for The Florida Project. The Florida Project is such a phenomenal movie, and I know that it's passed by a lot of people's radars just because is a quiet film and it's a painful film to watch but the thing is it's not a painful film it's a movie that's about these people who live on the fringes and the outskirts of life but it's told through the point of view of these children these happy-go-lucky children who don't really fully grasp the how dire their situation is that they live in like these motels and the day-to-day lives it's a slice of life film that really doesn't make light of it but it it makes it more 
sort of approachable this this lifestyle that people have like these hidden homeless of florida and it's a it's such an amazing film that is so rich and it's so it's so profound and i just i can't i can't put into words how much i love it and i'm so sad that it has only gotten one big nomination and that sean baker hasn't gotten a best director uh nomination that it hasn't gotten a best picture nomination for the oscars it should have been this hence slot or it should have at least gotten the slot that darkest hour did i'm that's the one where i'm mad about darkest hour because florida project should have gotten that slot for best picture uh brooklyn prince uh who is the breakout tiny leap female lead of this of this movie she's like 10 years old and she's phenomenal in it she gives one of the best um child performances i've ever seen she should have gotten a best actress nomination been the youngest one yet i think one of the youngest ones there's so many young ones um Willem defoe very deserving of his best support supporting actor role uh because he's the only professional actor in this film and everyone else is just pulled from the streets and you can tell just by how spontaneous and how natural the performances are there's no artificiality to it there's no pretense it's amazing it's such a it's such a movie that is is the hands of a lesser director would have felt heavy and cloying but here it just feels so natural and so uh, just so heartbreaking in a way that isn't doesn't tug at your emotional heartstrings it just feels like so so slice of life in a way that slice of life is bittersweet and it's like i just i can't take it talk enough about how great this movie is and how mad i am that it's been completely snubbed by the oscars so what i'm getting here is you hate the movie <laughs> anyways I know oh, you love it. <laughs> another thing i want to say is that stravos gotten a best original screenplay even though it doesn't quite have you know, the level of complexity and dialogue that you expect in her best screenplay uh, movie. But it's so hard to write that kind of naturalistic dialogue. And Sean Baker does it so well. Yeah, and it's not like the movie was improvised. Mm-hmm. And, like, these are people just, like, like the like Brooklyn Prince and the, the woman who plays her mother. They're, like, they're not really actors, but they do act really well. Yeah. So that's the one I'm most upset about. I have a couple other snubs. Wonder Woman got absolutely no technical awards, which is shocking. So weird. It's a, I mean, yeah, the CGI third act is a bit of a mess, but it's such a great yeah, film costume-wise. <laughs> Everything else, like the cinematography and the, the setting of Themyscira is so beautiful, uh, the costuming. And I don't know. It's. I mean, if it were a perfect world, maybe Wonder Woman would have gotten a Best Picture nomination because I think it's a great film. I think it's one of the most important films of the last decade. But you know what? That's that's neither here nor there. I it's one of my favorite films. I think, I think personally um, it affected me a lot more than it will for the Oscars. But you know, I'm just a little bit sad I didn't get any nominations. Patty Jenkins directed it so well, but. Again, I like all the best director nominations, but if she had squeezed in a nomination, I wouldn't have been mad. But yeah, that's those are my big snubs. Um, I think I would give a shout out to Mudbound too, but I think Anya has that in the bag because I actually haven't seen Mudbound. I will. I will talk about. Mudbound. I saw it last night. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I'm just gonna talk about Mudbound real quick. Don't want to like jump on your snub thoughts, but I just oh, want to get this okay. out there. Dere should have been up for best director, and in my perfect scenario, she would have replaced Chris Nolan. Um, the three who I would never replace are GDT, Jordan Peele, and PTA. Um, and I wouldn't want to replace Greta 
but I would replace Chris Nolan and Harvey with Dee Reese because I think Mudbound is just such a phenomenal film and a really incredible feat. And Dee Reese directs it with such command and like eloquence. And that movie just really struck me. And I'm happy it got some nominations. I wish it had gotten more. Um, I'm really happy about Rachel Morrison and Mary J. Blige. Um, but Dee Reese is my big snub. She should have been nominated for Best Director, like, in a heartbeat. Oh, I agree. Like, I saw it last night, and I was like, oh, now I know what Anya's been talking about for the past couple right? of Right? It's like, phenomenal, is, isn't it? it, it you know how... Like, you know when a, a movie, I, I know it's based off a novel, but you know when a movie gets, like, the feel of a novel so right, but not yes. in, like, a not in like a dragging way, but just, like, in the perfect way of, like, the fact that there were so many narrators, but it didn't ever feel bogged down by so many narrators. Yeah. Um, and the fact that it was telling a very simple story about two families that built such tension, and you're kind of wondering where this tension comes from, and then you're like, oh, Oh, that's why at the very yeah. end, like it, holy crap! Did the holy end crap. mess you up as much as it messed me up? Oh yeah, it messed me up so much. Like so in terms much. of just like the emotional roller coaster that you oh, go on from from basically is. the the moment you see Roncel walking down the farm at, at night to the end of the movie, it's just like holy shit, holy shit! What the fuck? What the fuck? Yeah, it's incredible. That movie, Mudbound. Everyone, it's on Netflix. So yeah, it's definitely you honestly Netflix's have no excuse. Go see it. It's phenomenal. I'm a little upset how Netflix has such a great catalog of great films. It might be small, but they do have great films on there. And they choose to market bright and other such horrible films over their Oscar nominees. They could have marketed Okja. They could have marketed Mudbound the way they did with Bright. But no, they had to do the goddamn Orc movie. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um... Willby, what are some of your snubs? Um, I would just like to see Logan get more nominations, to be honest. Um, it got Best Adapted Screenplay nomination. Um, and I think that, I think at least cinematography. I think I, I would have liked to see some more technical awards for Logan, um, as well as, I, I don't want to say Best Director for Mangold, James Mangold, just because there are, I love the the lineup we have right now of best directors, but I do think it's an incredibly well directed movie. Um, I also want to give out a shout out to The Big Sick, um, Kumail Nanjiani and Emily V. Gordon's movie about their real life relationship. I, it got best, I, was it adapted or original best? screenplay? Best, yeah, okay, so it got best original screenplay, even though it's um, based on their real life. Uh, it's original to themselves um i think that movie was really good really really a great romantic comedy that subverts a lot of tropes and it's more about it's also about the families of these two characters and i really like the way that that movie portrays um everything essentially in the movie um i guess let me run down these um uh i will say though that uh logan getting a best adapted uh screenplay nomination is the first time that a comic book movie has gotten that nomination. And that's a really big uh, sort of his- historic yeah, feat. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm looking, I'm just looking at the categories here. I printed them all out. Apologies if you hear paper sounds. <laughs> um, oh, uh, best film editing should, uh, I want Baby Driver to win, but I think Star Wars should have been nominated. 
because I do think that it has very interesting editing that I've never seen in a Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. Even though it's very standard, like they do the wipes, they do the you know A plot, B plot, C plot, but the way that everything comes together at the one moment it, with the Star Destroyer and uh, Admiral Holdo, like that moment where you have all three plot lines like converging on each other in such intense way that you're not really sure if these characters are intervening in their in each other's plots, even though they're separate still, like the way that those like three minutes of build up and release are some of the best film filmmaking I've seen of 2017. Yeah, Last Jedi didn't get a lot of uh, Oscars love this year, did it? No, so it got the usual affair of score, sound editing, sound mixing, um, and like those are the three that Star Wars is just really known for forgetting um but i was kind of disappointed it didn't get editing because um and also got best visual effects which makes sense because the lightsaber is one of the most incredible special effects of the last 120 years um also that um the Haldo maneuver moment that oh, moment yeah. that we never saw before in star wars history exactly. it's amazing and uh ryan johnson was on the slash film cast hd mm-hmm. uh talking about that, that and how they come came up with that whole thing and how they just they the way that they did it was incredible um I also, oh, here's a snub that we haven't talked about. Uh, shout out to Mike Sillingle for reminding me that this movie existed. Uh, War for the Planet of the Apes, not reminding <laughs> me because I knew it existed. But Andy Serkis should have gotten a Best Actor nomination for mm. uh, uh, for War for the Planet of the Apes because I do think he gives an incredible performance, um, and that movie's incredible. He's doing phenomenal so, work. Yeah, he's doing phenomenal work in motion capture acting. That is a new yeah. sort of genre of acting that is definitely not going to get awarded by the Oscars anytime soon, but he does so much good work in it. And it's so... It's incredible. Yeah. Because, like, earlier in the year when we were talking about Beauty and the Beast and, and how the Beast's face kind of looked dead, especially the eyes, and we were talking about how, like, we haven't gotten there yet, and I was like, no, we have. It's called the Planet of the Apes movies because motion capture has gotten to a point where you can mimic a, a person's face incredibly well. Yeah. And Weta does, Weta does an amazing job. And yeah. Marvel really just can't get it just right like some of them some of it really works um i think even though i'm gonna say guardians of the galaxy volume 2 was not a great movie i do think that there are certain shots of young kurt russell that were almost to the point where i didn't i forgot he was a, it was a, a, a cg creation um and i do think that we are getting there but with, when it comes to fully putting on a different face like in, instead of de-aging like the de-aging technology is not there yet but i do think the, that the uh face uh almost like putting a mask on mm-hmm. and doing that works so well with it like especially in war for the planet of the apes like yeah. every ape is just so incredibly well done especially in a movie that con- that uh is so heavily uh based on f- close-ups of the face yeah oh yeah mm-hmm. um I but yeah those are way- about Doug Jones and Shape of Water. Ooh, yeah. Uh, he's he's made a long career, too, of just acting behind prosthetics, and that's a hard job. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's it for uh, what I want to talk about in terms of snubs. I think that... Um, and, yeah, Wonder Woman deserves more, if not Best Picture, like you were saying, HD. I, I still don't understand this idea of not doing a 10th nomination if you have the ability to. Yeah. Like, part of me wants to qu- try and 
quantify qualify it by saying that maybe there there's a certain amount of votes that are needed to be considered a best picture nomination and some years there's eight some years there's nine i know that they've done 10 in the past they did it like the first year they did it um but i just still don't understand how like great movies like the florida project or wonder woman or um uh other ones that haven't mudbound like Coco, like, the fact that we haven't gotten, like, an animated movie in the Best Picture in a really long time, like, it's been too long. I think Up was the last one to do it. Mm -hmm. Maybe Toy Story 3. Um, But, yeah, it's been a while. Um, I hope Coco wins all the nominations it it gets. Yeah. Because Coco's a great movie. Um, I'm, you know, secretly pulling for the boss baby like you guys have been (laughs) I think Best Original Song is a toss-up, which is interesting. Because Coco would win, usually, but there's also... Um, that Greatest Showman song. <laughs> I swear to God, if Pacek and Paul win another Oscar, I'm going to flip my shit. All right. I will not win. It's, How about- a, it's a fun song. Yeah, Settle's amazing. But Coco's going to win just because the universe can't be that cruel where they award Pacek and Paul two Twice. years in a row. And the song play- in Coco a- plays Pacek a really emotional, pivotal part so, of the plot. Yeah. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. take that, Pace and Paul. But All right. you know what? This is me. This is me, you know. <laughs> I think that's a good way to wrap up our Oscars discussion. Uh, come back in three weeks when we re- when we react to the Oscars uh, and whoever wins on March 4th. But for now, let's move on to the last segment of our episode. I really, 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 really like you. But I need to tell you something. Anya, why don't you start us off? What do you really like this week? All right. It was a really tough choice for me to, like, dwindle down because I saw a lot of great things this week. It was, like, a crazy busy week for me. But I'm going to have to go with something that I just saw very recently, and it's sticking with me a lot. And that is the Crazy Ex-Girlfriend season finale. It aired Friday night. Um, and it just, it hit me. It hit me hard, guys. I mean, this show has been doing that um, for a while now with its exploration of mental health and guilt and relationships and just how very human it is and how well it's exploring all these issues. Um, But man, this finale on Friday night, it wrecked me. And I just really admire this show for taking these risks and committing to them and doing them so well. Like it's still a goofy musical. Like, there's still songs about like being a cat lady and there was a song in the finale about the miracle of birth (laughs) and like, so it still has those absurd moments, but like when it gets down to it, it's able to really balance those moments really well with its serious moments and treating them all with respect. And I think one of the biggest things that I love about the show that really struck me is how it's able to evoke empathy Like, for a character like Rebecca, who has done terrible things, but, like, you're not rooting against her, you're rooting for her, and you realize, you know, having a mental illness and struggling like this, she's completely deserving of our empathy, and, you know, she is struggling, and I just think it's really phenomenal that this show has been able to accomplish all this, Um, and I'm just really glad it exists, and the finale really struck me, Um, and now I'm sad, because... I don't want to wait for the next season because I have so many feelings. Um, so crazy X, man. It's wow. All right. Yeah. Season three has just gone places that no other 
comedy on TV, I think, has gone, except for shows like BoJack Horseman or uh, You're the Worst. But it's very rare to see such uh, nuanced depictions of mental illness, especially in the comedy that's like so – that's a musical at, at And like that. a comedy musical. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. Willoughby, what's you really like for this week? Um, so Netflix has been dropping new shows like forever. And uh, their most recent hit – or not hit, but you know, possible hit is a show called Everything Sucks, and it's the '90s show that's supposed to be like kind of like Freaks and Geeks, um, and it's really good, guys. I really liked it. I watched all eight episodes, all ten episodes, in the last twelve hours, and it's it's ten half-hour episodes that um, are. It's basically. Um, it, it, it's very similar to Freaks and Geeks, and like the main crew, the main kids are like in the AV club, and they're like big filmmaking, they're big film buffs, and so like you know that hits me. Um, it's set in '96. Um, it's a really interesting way of develop. There's a relationship that's developed that um, takes interesting turns that isn't I wasn't expecting. Like I thought it was going to be a traditional like boy goes after girl type thing, but there's complications, and um, the main. Uh, the main female lead uh, questions her sexuality during her, her, this time in high school, and so it really ex- explores that in a really interesting and, and sincere way. Um, I really love the way the characters are uh, developed. There's there's great characterization. Um, it it's very sympathetic towards its characters. Um, the it's it's I I want I the the main comparison is Freaks and Geeks, but it doesn't go that real as Freaks and Geeks goes, like, Freaks and Geeks goes to places that this show doesn't, but the same terms of teenage angst, the same levels of angst are there, like, there's a lot of teenage angst, and it's per- it's done really well, and, like, so affecting, like, the final episode, I was definitely, like, tearing up a bit at some certain points, um, and I do think it's, I think it's, I mean, I don't know how, I don't know how big the show is gonna get if it gets a season two, but I do like the season we got, uh, overall, it's about, like, the drama club and the AV club getting together to like make a movie. So there's a lot of fun, but like, like it kind of like me and Earl and the dying girl type of like low budget movie making. So it's a lot of fun. Um, and the main character is a person of color. He's got a mom who's a flight attendant. Um, he's, his dad is a white guy who abandons him when he's seven. So he's got a lot of like, he's got like some father issues. Um, and so it's a really interesting show that it takes, you know, it's set in the 90s, but it's not, it's, that's all dressing. Like the, sh- like the characters are, are, are real enough to be like today too. Um, so that's what I really like. Um, and I, I just think it's a very sincere show uh, that handles teenage angst in a very interesting way that we, I've, I haven't seen since Freaks and Geeks. All right. So my really like for this week is something I think a lot of people are talking about and will be a preview of our movie review next week. Black Panther. Yeah. Oh my gosh, guys. It had this is a Marvel movie like this has hasn't stuck like this with me since I think Winter Soldier and I think it might be vying for my top spot as my my favorite Marvel movie above Ooh. Winter Soldier. It is a phenomenal film with such a great, rich supporting cast, one that threatens to outshine the main character himself, T'Challa, played by Chadwick Boseman. And that's not to say that Black Panther is the worst part of this movie, but he somehow manages to be a great character who is the least interesting part of this movie. But, oh my gosh, that, first of all, it has the greatest Marvel villain, 
um, I'm going to say he's better than Loki, even. Uh, played by Michael B. Good. Jordan. <laughs> played by Michael, Michael B. Jordan, who uh, his name is Killmonger. And he really gets to the root of uh, African-American rage and the sort of conflict between the, the diaspora of African-Americans versus the Africans who... Uh, who you know make up the African continent and the tribal sort of conflicts that happen there, and it's a really interesting conflict that we have between uh, Wakandans who sort of exemplify what Africa or could be without the impact of colonization and Westernization, and it's this really unique utopia that at the same time isn't completely perfect, and through this sort of fictional avatar, it gets to so many current conflicts and current day politics and it's so powerful and it's just it's a movie that i keep thinking about because its villain is so nuanced and sympathetic that i really hesitate to call him a villain in any other movie he would actually be the hero of the story which is really interesting and he kind of speaks to a lot of anti-hero sensibilities that we have with superheroes too it's so good, guys. It, the action is great. The political intrigue is great. It juggles so many conflicting storylines that at first I thought it would be really clunky and get weighed down by its multiple sort of like James Bond influences, its political intrigue that like borders on Game of Thrones politics and the sort of tribalism that's really inherent in a lot of African uh, political elections, which is really interesting too. And it's such a stunning, beautifully made movie. Wakanda looks beautiful. Uh, it looks so surreal. And I love this thread of Afrofuturism that goes through both the aesthetics of the movie, but also the themes of it, too. Afrofuturism is sort of like this political aesthetic that t- takes the tribal um, cultural sort of roots of Africa and brings it to like the sort of modern day utopia. And that's what Wakanda is. Uh, exemplifies anyways i'm kind of rambling because i love black panther so much it's, it's such a phenomenal. good movie it's, it's so i haven't so seen it yet yeah it's gonna be great to review next week i'm really excited to Yay. review it i won't go into much into spoilers but uh, killmonger is so good michael b jordan is just such a so has so much charisma in the role and if creed wasn't the kicking off point for him to be like the biggest movie star in hollywood which it should have been this will be well, the thing is, he was working. He went straight from Creed to Black Panther. He, yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Actually, there wasn't a movie in between. He, didn't have, he hasn't had time to be the awesome Hollywood I guess, star. But I feel like he should have been. He should be that next big Hollywood star. Like Hollywood is always was, looking for the next Tom Cruise. When really they should be looking for the next Will Smith, and that is Michael B. Jordan. He was also great Friday Night Lights. Yes, That's where he got his so uh, after, and the Wire. Anyways, I'm like yeah. sweating right now because I'm getting really excited about Black Panther. <laughs> oh, good lord! I am. I'm. It's going to be fun to review next week. I'm so excited. I also saw it, and it's phenomenal. It's perfect. Have you guys um, seen the video of Michael B. Jordan ironing for Vanity Fair? Yes, I have. What? I haven't. I saw his 73 okay, questions so, thing, but... Well, okay, so for Vanity Fair, they do, like, a hidden talent video. That's where, like, Michael Shannon does, like, the coin trick that he does. But so for for Michael B. Jordan's, it's ironing. He really loves to iron. It's like a soothing self-care sort of thing for him. So it's just two minutes of him talking about how much he loves ironing while he irons a white shirt. That's so cute. It's really great. Yeah. Um. So on that note, go check that video out. And... If you have any thoughts on Oscars nominations, predictions, your wants to win, or Black Panther, Everything Sucks, or Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, come chat with us. And where can they do that, Willoughby? 
You can find us on Facebook if you search for us there. We're also on Twitter at Falcon Podcast. Our blog is millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com. We're also on SoundCloud where you can listen to us. And we're also on iTunes and Google Play where you can rate, review, and subscribe and listen to us every week just from your iPhone. It's great. Uh, where can they find you guys? You can find me at Tranbui on Twitter. You can find me at Anya Crittenton on Twitter. And you can find me at Olivia Dobbs on Twitter. Alright, thanks for joining us, guys. Bye! Bye. 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 Bye.